Hi, Pencil Talk Live here from Knoxville, Tennessee. To say this is a surreal moment would be an understatement. Coach Vitello, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. It's a big game, Pencil. We usually rock the little guys. We brought some orange ones for you today. It's usually the Dicks and Ticonderoga. We're still trying to get them on board, but the orange pencil is a good fit. Yeah, I like it. I just, uh, mine's a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Switch you got me beat. You got me beat. No, we're all good. We'll toss it to the side. I've got the little guy as well. Um, but, Coach, for me, I took a shot on myself rolling out to Omaha. Slept in my car for two weeks. Uh, I wanted to bet on college baseball and myself. Trying to learn how to tell stories. And getting the opportunity to ask you a question in this press room, I think that was five months in the making before today. I asked you, with maybe the most electric college world series we've seen to date, what your team served as a catalyst in the game that we see today. It's that emotion, that passion, that day-to-day -day energy. I'm curious now, five months later, where the Tennessee baseball program kind of sits among the college baseball landscape. Yeah, I mean, as far as the program, I, I can answer that, but uh, I go back to your, your question slash comment you made in that room. Coach, uh, your teams in the last three to four years have played with such emotion and passion. I think it's contagious around the sport of college baseball. These games have been so entertaining this week. Can you kind of talk about the state of college baseball and maybe where your program has kind of played a role in a lot of the emotion and passion we see this week? I appreciate you saying that more than you know. Um, that means a lot. I think last year's team, kind of what I was going on a tangent about or, or ready to go on a tangent was they got people talking about the sport. I mean, big leaguers, all kinds of people. And again, part of it was they didn't like me or our players or anything like that, or we did some foolish things or we did some great things, but it got people talking. I wish I could have had a perfect answer because it was an incredibly flattering uh, you know, question and again, comment you put out there, but there's so many emotions in the moment. And I, I think I pointed to that 22 team as one that uh, no one will ever forget, not just in Ball Nation, but really across the country. And what it did is it, it brought fans into college baseball. And there's there's been plenty of other moments that have done that too. I mean, Chris Burke and, and all the other guys, um, you know, that were covering uh, for ESPN have been a part of it as well. But, um, you know, those guys brought fans either on the hate side or the love side, but the bottom line is they were there. And I think you mentioned it's one of the more electric uh, World Series because of the fan participation and people are into it more than they've ever been. And uh, you mentioned star power at the College World Series. You're not a star unless people are paying attention to you. And I think some of those guys have the ability uh, on par with those that came before them, but now there's more attention given to those guys. I think that leads to a great question for me, right? Colin College Baseball in the Charleston area, what would your advice be to someone like me or the entire country as a whole, maybe doing a better job at calling the game from a social media standpoint, from a broadcast standpoint? Because um, you said that the sport's doing this, it's inevitable, the numbers are very evident. Um, what would your advice be to someone like me when it comes to telling the, the story of the game? I think you just got to dig a little bit more. It's kind of what we asked out of our guys is, you know, there, there's different skill sets that we have when we have a team meeting in this room. Um, but if you work hard, you'll kind of get to where you, you know, are capable of getting. Uh, and then same thing, I think you got to dig a little more, especially nowadays, to get the true story. I mean, if somebody tweets out, this guy's moving to this city, all of a sudden that's true. And, you know, it never happened and it's never going to happen, but it's true because it got enough clicks or enough likes or comments on it. So uh, I think the guy that's got the inside edge is the one who digs a little bit more and truly does find out the story. And, and maybe the flamboyant guy on the field is actually 
one of the better dudes, you know, in the game, whether it's college or pro. But what's kind of been portrayed, uh, you know, he's almost kind of been made into a character. It is one that's that's not as well liked. It's really interesting you bring up when you talk about the social media piece of it. You've been pretty private on your social end of things. Is that almost intentional? Like I need to breathe away from the sport. Like the game's a game, but like you've been able to kind of, I in my opinion, be the voice of college baseball in a way that's like helping grow the game. And then up from the side of it, you're like, all right, now I get to breathe a little bit. Yeah, I mean the the movie Seven uh, was one. Me and my buddies, I remember we argued about like what would be your Seven Deadly Sin, you know, which one sticks to you? I'm a glut, big time. Um, so I'm not that smart, but I do know myself well. And it's kind of, there's a lot that goes into anything that I do. So if I'm not going to, you know, go all in, then I, then I don't want to mess with it, really, to be honest with you. Uh, but also, I'm a huge believer in anyone out there now that's highly, highly successful. They don't mess with those comments. Um, you know, some of them are valuable, some of them come from loyal fans. And some industries, you do have to read comments to get constructive criticism. Uh, but I don't think that's any place for our kids uh, that are 18, 19, have developing brains and self-images to be reading what everybody has to say without any context and really without any face, you know, interface there. Um, so I think everyone knows that scoop. So I'm a huge believer in that, um, and, and for me, I like to travel. Um, I'll use a little bit of social media to, to try and find out. Give me the non-tourist trap places. Um, but otherwise, uh, got my hands full with enough stuff going on here. Your travel guy, what best place you've ever been to? That's really hard to say. It's a good um, question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I sure as heck wouldn't mind living in Spain or Italy at some point in my life. But, you know, the best place seems to be the last place you went. I went to Mykonos uh, finally. I was supposed to go before I got this job. Had to cancel, um, had some obligations, and so finally came full circle and went. And uh, all the trips are too short, and almost every one is the best one you've ever been to when it's the last one that you went to. I'm a, I'm a travel junkie. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, so we kind of feel the same way. Like you can travel to Charleston as a tourist destination, but like I'll tell you where you really need to go. Sure, kind of deal. So we'll 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 get you right when you make your way down to Chucktown. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned it in a question before um, when you talk about telling the truth. What I'm attempting to do with these pencil talk tapes, I want to get boots in my case, flops on the ground, get two stadiums, get two programs, and kind of see the behind the scenes, the genuine authenticity of this sport because that's why this is the greatest sport of all time. Like there are characters and maniacs, and it's what makes it so beautiful. So by getting here today to get to speak with you, what's the truth or the true fabric of the Tennessee baseball program? Um, there's a there's a lot of work that goes in. I think Drew Gilbert was the most polarizing figure we've we've had here since we've been here, and, and that that kind of kicked off a lot of the things you're talking about with the 22 team. And uh, to stand at home plate, and you know the Wright State thing. Wright State is such a phenomenal program, uh, so they stress you out. Um, you somehow find a way to win, and it's the biggest stress relief pimple <laughs> pop you, you can ever imagine. But that probably was a little over the top, uh, his, his celebration. But it's kind of like when Batista did his thing. That was when the bat flip was kind of yeah. first starting. And in that moment, if you were watching that game, I was actually listening to it on the radio, Rangers versus Blue Jays. You can kind of say, you know what, if you hit a home run in that moment, you kind of can do whatever you want. And if you don't like the fact that, you know, he celebrated, then don't let him hit a home run. And it, it's just kind of the nature of the battles nowadays. And, and I, I'm old school. I, I like, 
you know, the way my dad kind of coached and, and, and taught kids is keep your head down and, and just next play, next play, next play. Um, but it's the world we live in now. And, and I think when I've addressed it in talks that I've given is in order to stand at home plate and be in a position to even flip your bat or pump your fist if you strike a guy out, you have to go through hell here. And uh, it's probably like any you know major program um, that's striving to have success. There is a huge commitment that has to take place. And so what the truth is, or boots on the ground, if you take a, a walk around here for a day, um, there's a lot of good kids that want to learn and get better, and there's a ton of people that are just trying to help them without an ego, without trying to take credit. And so uh, inevitably that 22-year, if we play a team, I'd get an email that would be, uh, you were Satan and don't act like that and I hate you. And, and, and then there'd also be an email, hey, uh, I want to come there and coach one day or I'm not a fan of Tennessee sports, but now I'm a fan of So there would be the good and the bad. And to the bad, and I got one guy I'm going to try and go have coffee with this year in an SEC town based off his uh, email. But um, come to practice. Our practices are open. Come, come watch what's going on. And at no point during practice are we teaching our guys to try and start a fight with somebody or say something disrespectful to an umpire or anything like that. Uh, but we are working our butts off. And therefore, when game day rolls around, there is an, a volcano of, of passion and excitement that's ready to boil over. And um, right or wrong, I will say this on record, I would rather the fire be burning a little too hot and we got to kind of control it as opposed to somebody be cheating themselves, their families that have invested in their talents, their support staff here that is working their butt off to get them as good as they can. And then for our fan base, which I'm prejudiced, but I'll argue is the craziest and the most invested in the country, they don't want to get cheated. Uh, so when you're out there, you, you need to compete and, and compete the way uh, that they want you to. You, I, yeah, I'm in the latter group. I, Remember the old old Miss walk off on the uh, pit, intentional pitch out? Sure, sure. That one and the Drew Gilbert homer, I think are the most animated, colorful, beautiful college baseball moments. I probably watched it on YouTube a thousand times as a seventh grader. They all miss one and Drew when he did it, just insane. Because everyone wants to be that guy. Like you run around imaginary bases when you're seven, eight years old, dreaming of that moment. I'm in the latter group. But you bring up a great point about your fans. We went to a basketball game here on Tuesday insane environment, my first real taste in Knoxville. Met up with an old buddy I played summer ball with that grew up here in Knoxville, and he's a season ticket member for your baseball team. And right now there's a wait list. $100 to get on the wait list because you guys are doing such incredible things here in Knoxville. Obviously we're gonna talk about the renovations that are going on here. I mean, the place looks unbelievable. But can you talk a little bit about your families? Because they truly are insane. They are, and I did a speaking engagement this morning and just talked about um, we're very blessed here because if you're an SEC fan, you're not realistic. That's part of the deal. But I feel like our fans are as realistic as it gets, and they're appreciative of effort and kind of the right the approach they're looking for. And that's not even necessarily right or wrong. It's just a good match for what Tennessee is all about and what Tennessee people are all about. And um, that, that goes a long way because there can be some toxic environments around the country. and. You know, I'm not bad-mouthing anyone. A lot of times that comes just from caring. And, and you'd rather have a group of people uh, that are invested in, in, and their lives are kind of weighing on what you're doing. But, um, you know, it, it, can, it can go far. It, it, but uh, it, it makes it fun to be in this league because you're not going to find a bigger group of people to do that. And, hey, they, they should give us hell when we're on the road. But I, I'll tell you this, if we bump into them in the hotel or at a restaurant instead, 
everybody loves to kind of meet people and interact and tell stories. And again, at the end of the day, we're all just people. But uh, when we put on the costume that is our uniform, it's game on. It's, it's our kind of version of fantasy land. And same thing for the fans. One reason why this place exploded um, uh, originally was because people were finally able to get out of their house and be not the responsible parent, but the maniac dad that's yelling at us because we tried to bunt and then yelling at us, you know, because we hit a homer and they're excited. And um, that, that's the way it is. And it's beautiful. And like anything, it's got pros and cons. You brought up something really quick. I've been trying to get something coined for a while. I don't call jerseys. I call them costumes. Who's got the best costumes in college baseball? Well, we got new ones on the horizon tomorrow that I am fired up about. Really? So whoever is number one, we are coming for you. Um, but I think it's hard now to point out in football or any sport that follows the, 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 the whole constant, you know, uniform that, that you have, whether it's, uh, you know, Nebraska I'm from the Midwest was so dang good at football, but it was the same uni all the time that those days are gone. And so whoever's number one will probably be number two the next week. And then things keep changing. So uh, it's fun to compete at all things. And the uniform has become a requirement. But y'all's creams are as good as it gets. You have to tape your pants. It's a, it's a solid, solid unit. They're incredibly comfortable. Um, I don't know that I can make them look athletic, but <laughs> they have the old school look and let yet kind of an athletic feel. So Nike did a phenomenal job with those. Uh, so we talk about the renovations here at the stadium. You talk about ever evolving, even wanting to be number one with the costumes versus on the field. What was so important about kind of up in the game here? Completing the stadium, um, our, our windows to our offices overlooked the field and we first got hired um, there's a phenomenal stadium it, it's already one of the best in the country uh, that, that's been put here and yet construction or the, the renovation phases stopped uh, when coach Delmonico's time ended here and so the left field line is just a parking lot there was literally cars parked in our stadium and you know we would kind of you know ease around it or kind of try and tamper down the, the fact that it was an eyesore when kids would come recruit on recruiting visits. Well, now that's not the case. The stadium is enclosed and I assume it'll make it louder um, and, and a more fun environment than it already is. But really what it'll do is make it look more professional and more first class. And again, at all places you're trying to make that the case, but in the SEC, uh, you're out of the loop if you're not doing that. I'm give you a little bit of a stadium and campus tour here in a bit, um, but you brought up the recruiting thing, and I'd be remiss to mention kind of the craziness, the wild west of college baseball, sure. the portal, NIL. Um, if I handed you the keys, I don't know, commissioner of college baseball, <laughs> a Manfred S guy, I, my question is, if you were the guy in college baseball, what are your thoughts on what it, how it exists today, what you would change, what you like about it, kind of how you would attack this sure. piece? Well, Twitter would blow up because you gave the keys to the wrong guy. <laughs> um, probably somebody with more experience and uh, maybe a, that's a little bit more stoic and knowledgeable too. But um, for me, where I stand, the first thing I do is I would get rid of our run rule. Um, the other thing is the portal. Um, I think there's a lot of that, that could be a 30 minute conversation. But just on the surface, I think if a head coach changes positions, it changes the entire culture. Um, and that should allow a kid, whether he graduates or the coach changes, um, huge changes in either your education or your development in an environment, which this is all about. But otherwise, uh, I'm, I'm not a big believer in it. I do realize kids should have the power. We've got power to make moves to, but that's, that's the way I see that. NIL, I don't know what the answer is, but 
Um, I did hear an idea they're pushing potentially for it to have to be reported. So if you and I want to look up what's going on at Charleston Southern or what each kid, at least the rumors are gone. Because wherever we're at in each sport with that, um, again, like anything, there's pros and cons. I think the worst thing about it is the rumors and the guessing game and he said this, or again, on Twitter, if you give me enough clicks, then all of a sudden so-and-so is getting 250 grand, um, and it may not necessarily be the case. So those would be things for me, but I'll tell you what, th this sport, again, I, I thank you so much, and I didn't even answer again. You asked me that you gave me an opportunity or platform. Um, you complimented our program in an amazing way, uh, but I think in general, it's just the sport has developed, adding teams to the postseason. Omaha's turned into a huge party. Uh, now there's more games that are televised, and it's like a freight train, and it's not slowing down for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Well, I, I joke with you. Twitter's not a real place. I don't really care what happens there. But your answer to my question in that press room that day, uh, you, you painted the picture beautifully. Like it was perfectly put in a way that, um, right, 21, your team kind of over exceeds expectations. 22, they're supposed to match them, and they, they make a great run at a super. But because there's this polarizing kind of piece to it. I thought what you said about that 22 team, it's why the 23 team was able to get back to Omaha. Um, can you kind of talk about some of the icons and the figures from that team that like I think have kind of helped create the standard? Because now, I'm not gonna speak for you, but it feels like the expectation is because you've gotten there, you played well there is, is Omaha because you know you, you have the ability and the keys to do it. Sure. Well two huge catalysts for us last year and, and it's hard to give one guy or, or some, you know, just a handful of guys credit, but Christian Moore and Blake Burke were two guys uh, that really were everyday in and out leaders for us on the field and, and a little bit off the field. They had to stand in the dugout and even as talented as they were and normally would start as a freshman, Dankshire would start our first year. Um, they sat a lot and watched that 22 team. Um, and I think they learned a lot from those guys. Trey Lipscomb was a big brother to Christian Moore where his whole thing could have got sidetracked the wrong way, and, and Trey really kind of got him going the right way as an individual. Um, but guys like Trey Lipscomb, who played the left side with Cortland Lawson and Jarrell Ortega's at second base, and Luke Lipsius, who was known as Andre's brother, yeah. became Luke Lipsius, um, and an everyday guy after losing a lot of games his first couple years in this program. Those guys, and there's others too, kind of made people believe in the developmental process here, because none of those guys were starters as freshmen or their first year, and none of them were superstars their second year. It was kind of a slow grind as it relates to just getting better and kind of believing in what people are doing, even our academic coordinator, Megan, helping them uh, in that area, and Woody, our trainer, I can go on and on and on, and the old trust the process, I guess, um, came from those guys. And I think the 23 group, it was, there were a lot of new faces, and some people bought in eventually, some people, um, could have bought in more, but I think the fact that that was a staple of our program um, prior to last year helped us get through some tough times and ultimately get us to where you were sleeping in your car. <laughs> the flops were on the ground. It was a pretty cool spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, and speaking about that, you know, uh, I remember a Lincoln Park. Or, there's so many successful people, comedians, um, that's Bert Kreischer. If, oh, come he, on. He used to not have any money and sleep in his car. There's so many people that were uh, committed enough to what they were doing where they'd sacrifice like you did, um, you know, and then they made it big. So you'll be the next <laughs> version of that. However, 
don't be afraid to ask. You could have asked somebody, one of these coaches that's overpaid, We could have, I could have shared a room with you. Or well, we're gotten you your own room. I was just saying, if there are bunk beds in Omaha next year, I'll look into it. Um, my boy Aaron Miller, he did. he's the smart guy of this Pencil Talk group. He did come out and save me for a couple nights. So I over-exaggerated. It wasn't the full two weeks, but there were a couple nights. Honestly, Magnus was a cool look, but Burt Kreischer is the man. If two bears in one cave want to maybe promote or uh, shout out the boys and get them out to Omaha next year a little bit more of a comfortable fashion, I wouldn't say no by any means, but it was the adventure. I mean, Omaha was such a romantic place, and as like a college baseball guy, um, that as a player, we never really got very close. It was always a dream to go. Um, so to see how they built that new stadium and set it all up, I mean, that those two weeks were arguably the best two weeks of my life. No doubt. It's uh, Now, you did hand me the keys, so I will pipe up. Oh. It is a dream place. I, I, it is literally almost perfect. I will say this, and I'll probably get my tires slashed for this or whatever. I can the, the clearing of the stadium and the re-entering is very difficult. Um, it's a shame for fans to go that far and pay for the price that those hotels um, to, to miss the first or second or maybe even third inning because of that transition. And I don't have the answers, and they've got their hands full running that thing as well as they do. Uh, but that's the only thing that, that pops in mind. Because, again, yeah, you got to have Dylan Cruz or Trey Lipscomb to be a star, but the reason they're a star is because all these kids want to grow up to be like them, and then all these grown men are wearing their jerseys, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I was actually shocked by that, too. I felt like it was going to be more of a March Madness situation where I could buy, like, a day pass, and then I'm cool. The re-entry thing was different, um, but I think that's because of SEC country showing out in such waves that it happens so fast, like the, the yellow and purple turns to orange and cream, like almost immediately. Uh, but I'm with you. All right, cool. But see, now that's out. You're not going to get your tire slash for that. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Um, all right, we talked about program, you talked about organization. We're starting a little bit of a new segment. Everyone does the Mount Rushmore, but we're a college baseball themed podcast. I want to know who your weekend rotation, your closer, so a back end bully of sorts. Maybe four iconic Tennessee legends. Doesn't have to be sport, doesn't have to be music, can be anything. You know, I, I know we saw Manning and Dolly Parton show out, uh, but uh, Dolly Parton and, and uh, show out. So do you have like a top four weekend rotation for me? Whew, that, that's tough. And again, you're getting me back to where my tires get slashed. But <laughs> if I could do my homework ahead of time, I would strategize and put a lot of time into it, Excel charts and all that. But Luke Hochaver for me is somewhere on the weekend because of the type of person he is. Um, you know, he obviously won a World Series in Major League Baseball, had success there. He was dominant. I remember watching him when I was younger, just being like, geez, this is Division One baseball. I got to hit off a guy like that. Um, but he's a superstar off the field, and R.A. Dickey is the exact same, in the exact same fashion. He has done more for people away from the game. And now in the game, but coaching his son and coaching other kids passionately around him, and then just his whole story and his success he had here, throwing 95 before other guys were throwing 95, and then reinventing himself. So um, no doubt having those two guys. And you know, Garrett Stallings is somebody. Again, I'm kind of going on the give back plan. These young bucks probably are just as deserving, but they haven't accumulated time away from Tennessee yet. And Garrett Stallings is a few years removed. And I don't know that I've been around many position players or pitchers that were so regimented and followed the leadership of the coaching staff and support staff so closely and uh, called the old lead by example, but also just the level of improvement you saw from him statistically, physically, uh, with all the things we do in the weight room. 
and uh, now of course he's still in pro ball and um, you know the consummate gentleman off the field and, and killer on the field and he helped us get our to our first regional here and you know closer um, I could throw out Todd Helton because because <laughs> he many people don't know his football and closing background because he should be and about to be in the Hall of Fame for his bat yeah uh, but I will, since he's going to be a Hall of Famer, I'll take away his uh, honor of my uh, Mount Rushmore status and say Redmond Walsh, Ooh, who pissed us, solid who pissed us for, to our first Omaha. Th these media members here, they're really good to us. They're super involved, and they would ask about Redmond Walsh tying Todd Helton just for anything. And I'm picturing Redmond's physique, who we mistook him for a manager when we first got hired, and, and Todd Helton, and it's pretty damn comical. But, but it kind of... It, it kind of embodies what our first couple years we were bullied by other teams and and we weren't somebody you'd look at and give respect and yet he earned it in an interesting fashion and uh man he, he was special to have here so you know and dolly can sing the national anthem with all those guys taking the field i think we got to get her out here for the opening or Lindsay Nelson. that would be pretty she could throw out the first pitch she's in better <laughs> shape than i am based off what, you know what i've seen i saw the turkey day deal she does look like she's in absolutely much better shape than myself i'm 26 so shout out to dolly but Todd helton the backup quarterback for Peyton Manning, that's hall of fame status that's your life the stories will walk away with are legendary yeah, no doubt, and he was also wise enough to kind of give way and saw his path of, of having the success he did on the field. And I'll, I'll probably, you know, he does need to get inducted, and when he does, if anyone asks me any questions, just the, the number one thing that sticks out of my mind is he's been really good to us and our kids, but there was a swing moment. Again, this would be a 30-minute conversation, but there was a swing moment, something that involved me, and he had my back, and uh, he didn't have to, and he does, doesn't even know that I know that. But uh, that's my guy. I don't know if I'm his guy, but that, that's awesome. That's my guy, even though I grew up, you know, I was in St. Louis when he was doing his thing here. To wrap things up, because I think the weekend rotation, I think that could stick a little bit. I like your Sunday pick, strong, back end bully guy. Um, our rapid fire question. So, how many do you guys, how many uh, swings on ramp do you guys get? Um, usually it's four to five. Four to five. All right, so we'll go four to five questions. I've got a fifth and final that I've got in the back of my mind. Um, our rapid fire BP questions brought to you by the Hack Attack. Um, first thing you got. First thing you need to know is I wasn't very good against the Hack Attack. <laughs> so keep that in mind with my response. I gotta tell you, my boy Alex Androck and myself, um, I didn't play a ton my first three years. My Hack Attack was my Friday night guy. I lived off that thing. But just like any Friday night guy, the Hack Attack and I were good friends the one that did this. The minute that I saw this, I was in big trouble. Not yeah. <laughs> to digress, you brought up R.A. Dickey, who, by the way, has got one of the greatest books I've ever read. Um, have you ever tried messing with the knuckleball feature on the Hack Attack? No, I have not. It is hilariously insane. I, if you wanted to have fun at practice one day and see if the boys can, can tee off on a knuckleball, but it really does pop out the machine like not moving it's nuts yeah, yeah. no I, I haven't done that we do got old kirby cannell he's got the stash and the hair he's always got something going on and he's he thinks he's going to feature a knuckleball this spring yeah so, so we'll see so maybe other teams are going to have to use that feature to prepare i was going to say um george kirby with the mariners former elon guy he whipped out a, a knuckleball in the back pocket i think that would make maybe drew bream on friday night first pitch of the year knuckleball i don't know if you know our pitching coach or not but that's not <laughs> i might give him anxiety just talking about it. yeah we kept him in every game last year i don't know how long that streak's going to go with that but that would probably cut it pretty short <laughs> all right so we'll go back to our hack attack 
Tech rapid fire questions. My first one for you. Uh, is there a pregame meal that you guys and the boys like to crush? Yeah, you know, uh, we, we usually invest a lot in, in our spread we have for our guys. I'll tell you what, that Carabas spread, it hits home with the Italian last name. But also, they, you know, I hate to pick one out because there's a bunch of people that take good care of us, but it's such a variety and it smells so dang good. Um, but I still am trying to throw BP. The arm is disagreeing. So personally, I usually go pretty light. My uh, my stick in there is cinnamon toast crunch, which Ooh. I got a bit of a sweet tooth. And uh, if I I don't know if it's legal for me to recruit young kids via this podcast, but we have more cinnamon toast crunch than any team in the SEC. So that's not a mic drop; it's a pencil drop. That might be yeah, a yeah. Of the day, right? There you go. <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch. It's good to know. Yeah, super uh, super healthy too. I'm sure. Yeah, but delicious. So I'm a lucky charms guy, but cinnamon toast crunch. You're gonna have me inspired now. Um, is there a uh, game day kicks or like is there a fit that you're rocking to the ballpark? You'll give up. That's Coach Elander's gig right there. Right. Um, you know, the camo pants are nice to wear in a, in a game day, getting ready to go to battle, which is maybe cliche or overused a little bit. But uh, it, it can feel like a war sometimes when you're going into a conference series or in the middle of one. But Coach Elander, our third base coach, I coached him at TCU, and he was a catcher that was always, I mean, he played so hard. He, was, he had a tough time staying healthy. He would have made it to the big leagues if he would have stayed healthy. But the guy was reckless. And then somewhere in his coaching career, he turned kind of bougie on us. He is big time into the style and the shoes, and he usually has the other coaches coordinated. But he's he's so loyal, it's unbelievable and overly respectful to me. So it actually works against me. I never get involved in the shoe conversations. So um, I'm fairly plain Jane with that, at least on game day. You, you, you travel to Greece, you, you better have some. You better have some good shoes on. It's a different level of GQ, and you kind of are like the GQ dude of college baseball. So I, I had to ask. The shoe thing though is so interesting. My guys at Cool Kicks are way ahead of the game. I'm behind it, but people like really care what you're repping on the feet. I don't get it. I'm a flip flop guy, but um, okay, cool. All right, came up pants and Simmons and Scrubs were off to a great start. Um, do we have a? I don't know. My boy Aaron wanted me to ask. Um, Michael Scott, superstition, maybe just a little superstitious. Do you have a superstition on game days? You know, I, I find myself doing stuff like I think I did that the last three games. Yeah. But there's there's no one thing. Uh, I'm not into wearing dirty clothes or yeah. or anything like that. Uh, I do kind of have a set shirt system that I, that I go like with. Um, so again, maybe that's avoiding the dirty clothes. But yeah, not nothing too crazy. I think uh, I like to take my little. Uh, 15 minutes after we eat our pregame meal to get everything sorted up in the office, but leave all that Nomar Garcia part of stuff up to the athletes. Love that Nomar. Um, how about a walk up? If you got, if I give you an at bat opening day, what do you walk up to? Yeah, you know, I did uh, Danzig Mother when I was playing That's a uh, That's a for a lot of reasons in the. The radio folks here, when I come on, that's that's always preceding me coming on. So that's pretty cool. They've kind of taken to it like that. But I think that song is, even though it was a guitar hero, maybe. It, I, it I, absolutely was. To be quite frank, was the only reason I knew this song was from that first guitar <laughs> hero. <laughs> I think it's a little outdated. But, man, I like music so much. It's like for one week, um, I'm, I'm, it's one song nonstop. I finally found a milkshake remix uh, of all songs that I love. Love that. Love that. Is it Keyless or Kellis? Yeah, it's Keyless. But it's a remix. It's a little more masculine. Uh, I, I think I listened to that in the airport the other day about eight times out of ten songs. So I, I'm I'm kind of ADD with that. It'd be flavor of the month. Like that. 
Now, that does lead me to my are you a Ted Lasso fan. So I just uh, was in London for a day, and I knew it took place there. Yeah. So I was like, maybe this is the place. I've gotten bagged on so bad for not watching not that. Fan. So not I finally fan. did it. Um, I don't know how to watch TV anymore. You got it. <laughs> I don't have 19 subscriptions, and I can barely remember the password into my phone. So um, I finally broke down, and I watched the whole first season, and uh, it met it's you know the expectations. It's pretty dang good. It's good. Uh, there's some comments in there that I need to... To, to add to my rapid fire. I love it. My, my rapid fire question, I kind of told it myself, but it's such a good show. But first concert you ever went to, last, or best, first concert, best concert you ever went to, which is a Ted Lasso question, so I was going to yeah, yeah. steal stuff. Stone Temple Pilots was my first one. I don't know if um, Scott Weiland's no longer with us, but uh, yes, I showed up and I thought what I thought was a cool, because it was pricey. I didn't grow up a lot of money, a polo Ralph Lauren short shirt, and uh, now that I look back on it, I, I hate admitting this. It was more kind of like Easter colors. And I showed up and I was looking around and I was like, I do not fit in. So I turned it inside out. And uh, I don't know that no one was watching me anyway. They were watching Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, but anyone who hasn't been to Red Rocks in Denver obviously needs to go. And uh, I've seen a bunch of folks there, but I saw Rufus the Soul there. And that's my favorite show that I've ever seen. Seen it there as well. Yeah, pretty yeah. good stuff. Maybe we were there. I was going to say, man, it's fate. I Hopefully, saw. you didn't sleep in your car. I did not sleep <laughs> in my car that night. I was uh, I was locked and loaded with my friends in the walls. Saw Whiskey Myers there too. But anything at Red Rock season? Yeah, so, not, just seeing it. Just yeah. seeing it. Yeah. Uh, my final question of the day. For you. I know you're a busy man, but this is maybe our most important. When you're going in to write in a lineup card, are you a pencil or pen guy, coach? I'm <laughs> pencil about 17 times. And uh, if, it, if it is pen, then you throw away the piece of paper and do it again. And it's it's fun to try different things. You don't want to leave any stone unturned. And that's one reason why uh, we try a lot of different things. And I think our assistants get annoyed because I consistently ask them questions, um, even if it's something where I'm the one that has to make the call. But um, you might as well get a vision for everything before you dive into it. Because once the game starts, as coaches, we don't have as much influence as we'd like to. Um, it's about those players, and as you mentioned, to come full circle. I think with all these indoor facilities and some of these competitive summer teams and all these platforms, PBR and all that, the kids are better players these days, and there's more eyes watching. So you have this explosive combination. Of is That's what's making college baseball what it is today, and ultimately, if you can make it to Omaha, that's why Omaha is even better than it was when you know, Todd Hilton and R.A. Dickey and Chris Burke were playing. That was the level of play question. We joked about it in the car. At a, I, because Twitter's not a real place, I didn't really care. But I made a comment about how I thought the SEC last year with the Friday and Saturday guys that we saw on the velo and the stuff, and one through seven just stacked lines. I was like, I think they can play a double his schedule and be all right. Uh, was I, I got torn up on Twitter, but I didn't really care. <laughs> oh, am, I, am I out of my mind for thinking so? No, I don't think so. A lot of that is those, if it wasn't for COVID, a lot of those kids would have been in double A at that time. So it'll be interesting. I think that that word or the pandemic is kind of starting to flush itself out. I feel like I know as little about our opponents this year. And it's no disrespect. It's just I think we're kind of finally seeing that wave of, of fresh faces. And, of course, with the portal, if you don't follow – Twitter, you know, a guy, a team may pick up a big-time player and you didn't know it. So it'll, it'll be an interesting and competitive year across the whole country. 
You said face is my bonus question because you didn't hit a home run because he does use a pencil. Make sure we get that. That's big time. Uh, <laughs> you've got maybe the best beard to flow combo in baseball. I am working 26 years on this. You got any advice for me? Or am I just so <laughs> Be patient. Be patient. When I was a freshman at Spring Hill Jesuit uh, College down in Mobile, Alabama, my freshman year, I would shave once a week. It was on Thursday nights. I would shave. And to be honest with you, I could have waited about three weeks. But I wanted the old... You know, wives' tail or whatever. I wanted that stuff to grow back fast. So, and also be careful what you ask for because uh, you know, once it's there, it's it's not going anywhere without management. But um, I appreciate the. I, I think status around here and arguments and stuff like that is often fueled again by our fans. So, I, I think if anything, they get recognized as being quality and quantity as much as anybody in the country. I love that. Coach Vitello, Tennessee baseball. Cannot thank you enough. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate sure. you. Appreciate you. Oh. Well done, man. That was perfect.